So Soma Tacoma was about four years old when I, when I first arrived to this church family. So at that point, the formative years were already established. The foundation was poured, but it was still quite fresh. So the church here was just beginning to live out of its core beliefs and convictions. And I, I, I arrived myself as a newbie in the faith. I really, this family was a place I grew up and what it meant to like really be a disciple who follows Jesus in all of life. And the two things that excited me most about Soma when I first came was one, the gospel, the centrality about the good news of Jesus. And then the other thing was the emphasis on mission, how the gospel is outward focus and it's meant to permeate all of life and the gospel's for all people. I love that. And the gospel really began to touch ground for me here. Like it became, like it took flesh uh, in the lives of the people I was around. I realized I had a brand new identity and that all of life counts. It all matters. And everyone, every one of us who has the spirit of God gets to play the game of disciple making and ministering the gospel. That was so profound for me when I came here. Um, it was super transformative in my growth in Jesus. Because when I joined this family, um, I definitely had a lot of uh, hurts and pains. Uh, I was a pretty broken dude. And I joined a community that was a lot like a family. I mean, it had its struggles. Uh, it, it had a lot of struggles in relationship. It was super messy. It was unromantic. It was unspectacular. It actually felt really, really ordinary, just like family does sometimes. But we were unified nonetheless, not on the, the liking each other or liking the same kind of activities, but we were unified based on Jesus. And so we weren't going to give up on each other, just like a family doesn't give up on each other. And, I, and I, like I said, I needed that because I came in a pretty hurting dude. I didn't really know what it meant to be a friend. I didn't know really what it meant to be a father. I didn't know what it meant to be a, a husband. I didn't know what it meant to be a leader. There was a lot of wounds, a lot of brokenness. I really needed people to see my life. I actually really needed to see other people's lives because I really needed to know myself, to know where I was really at so I could really learn to grow up in Jesus. Those were really important. Um, I needed good friends to call me out and encourage me. Um, at that time, Lisa, who is now my wife, but I was dating at the time, I needed guys to really, and girls to say, hey, man, you're going off, off the reservation and how you're pursuing uh, Lisa based on scripture, based on what Jesus calls us to. I needed people to see my life enough to call me towards him. I needed to see people hungry for Jesus, hungry to know him more, hungry to let others know him more, to serve others in the city, because it grew my hunger for Jesus. It grew me for a hunger to really get to know and love my neighbors and my coworkers, because I wasn't doing this full time like I am now, and to share Jesus with people that didn't know him. It grew all that. And I, I love that here in this church, we upheld that all of life is the environment for making disciples, because God used everyday people in the everyday stuff of life to transform my life. So it's near and dear to me. My development went way beyond a one-on-one, one-hour meeting and, or just doing Sunday church. It was really all of life with the people of God on his mission. And I love that. And there's several other blessings that God has given this church family that if some of you guys remember in the Wounded Healer series last fall, we celebrated and thank God for. There's so many we listed out. But I also just want to shift and, and say, too, on the other hand, I also experienced some of the brokenness within our church family. Now, at the time, I didn't know it was brokenness, and that's a lot like how after we grow up and we look back at our family upbringing, and then do we realize both how much better and worse things were in our family upbringing, if you, any of you guys can relate to that. 
And the church family is really not that much different in that regard. Just like how I've been so amazed thinking about how my mom pursued and sacrificed so much for me and my siblings. She, she did a whole lot of that kind of stuff. However, I've also recently realized, man, there's a lot of brokenness that happened in my home that she was a part of and had to grieve over that stuff. And now, that doesn't negate the amazing things my mom did. It doesn't do that at all. But what it does, it gives a more holistic picture of what my experience was like growing up. And it, the same goes with Soma Tacoma. I'm regularly wowed, and I thank God and he, it seems to happen every year and increase. I thank God for how I'm turning out, like as a dad, how I'm turning out as a husband, how I'm turning out as a leader, how I'm turning out just as a friend to other people. Because when I think about where I, what I grew up in and a lot of where my path was going for most of my life, I'm just like, wow, God, your grace and the way it worked through this church and where I am now, like, it's amazing. God, thank you for bringing me to this church and growing me up in this church family. It just amazes me when I think about it. But also, again, just like with our, you know, uh, biological families, I've, I look back and God's recently been showing me, man, there's also some broken things about growing up in this church family. He's helped me realize that I actually really needed to grieve. And just as a side note, this stuff, like looking back at your past in a holistic manner, is part of maturing as a believer and even as a human being. Like this is, it's really foundational growth stuff here. Um, so some of those things, I want to highlight a couple of those that particularly impacted me negatively. One was a sinful pride for Soma. It's this very subtle but real thoughts that were in me that Soma is so much better than those other churches. Like, we're the real deal church. We're really about making disciples. Those other churches that really focus in on Sunday morning only or very program-oriented, man, they're not really about making disciples like we are. That's the Soma thing. And I think that helped lead to upholding a methodology. And what I mean by that is putting a method above Jesus. And, and it looked like being more concerned about figuring out the Soma way of making disciples, if that makes sense, than about actually abiding and going to Jesus in a spirit who's active and alive moment by moment and asking him, what does disciple making look like right now? Does that make sense? Now to be clear, because I don't want to like, you know, be too dramatic with this stuff, which I, 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 I can be at fault for, at least what my wife says at times when I explain stories about my past. It was all very super subtle because prayer was there and other things like that, but it, it kind of felt like it was more of an add-on, at least for me. It felt like it was an add-on instead of something we lived out of, lived from in a community on mission. There wasn't a real need. There wasn't a real desperation or an urgency to learn to abide and really seek after Jesus and really wait on him because we kind of nailed down the method. It was already figured out, at least the big stuff. Maybe prayer can come alongside what we already figured out and make that thing work. That makes sense. And this led me a lot of times to care more for the lost that we were hoping to reach than the brothers and sisters that were literally right in my midst. I also spent more time like feeling pressure and then putting pressure on people to pick a defined people group. Like that was so essential to figure that out and figure out how in detail we're gonna carve out our weekly schedules to make sure our lives are intersected with each other so that we can be in the lives of these people group that we're supposed to reach. 
And then on top of that, to figure out how everybody's going to be segmented in these little groups and meeting once a week in these DNAs. And, and if all that wasn't like carved out in great detail, then you really just didn't feel like you're leading a missional community. You feel like a failure. And some of you have felt that, and some of you still feel that. Even just hearing the word MC, it's just like, that's a trigger word. And there are several other wounds that God led us to repent of last fall during that Wounded Healer series as a church family, and many of you have experienced those hurts and pains. Now, it was about three years ago or more, I began to sense there's some really foundational things that God's wanting to fix within this church. And I was seeing a pattern of burnout as I was visiting with leaders and MCs and unhealthy tiredness. Like it was just like this is something, like obviously we're working for Jesus and things are gonna get tired and they're gonna be hard, but there was an unhealthy tiredness the spirit seemed to be nudging me with. And this is when we began to do things like spending a month calling upon the Lord. And I just remember finding myself asking God regularly, like, God, what is going on? Something is off. Would you just please show us? And I was reading the Bible a lot at that time, getting convicted on how important God's real presence was for the movement of God's people for the world and how disconnected I felt from that personally and how disconnected I saw our church was from that. About two years ago, as we were still in this posture of seeking and asking, Abe hit an emotional and physical wall. Some of you guys remember that. Eventually, after Abe's return from the leaves of absence, God led our elders to really ask this important question. What are the healthy and unhealthy patterns we've seen in our church since the formative years of Soma Tacoma, which was so powerful and so spirit-led? We also processed with all the leaders, actually, of this church family over a period of weeks, asking them to pray and seek that out. We actually invited other founding elders and leaders from our church that were no longer part of the church to speak into it and pray through that with us. It was, it was a pretty big, intentional process. And God, by his grace, uh, led us to this time where it culminated into writing out a list of wounds and a list of blessings. And on one morning during the Wounded Healer series, I was led by Abe. We all came and just repented of those wounds, and we thank God for those blessings, and it was a really powerful time. But one thing that was really important during that, uh, during that time was we were like, hey, this isn't just merely a one-time event. This is a new way God's leading us forward, where we're going to walk out. We're not just doing a repentance and then being done with it. We're going to walk out fruit in keeping with the repentance, which is the, which is the hard work. And I just want to say real quick, if you haven't, and you're part of the church family, you haven't listened even if you're new in a part of the church family, if you have not listened to the Wounded Healer series, please go back and do that. Uh, really, really important. In fact, that audio link will have it in this week's audio link, so you don't have to go searching for it. It's really, really profound. But during that time, we felt a, a great conviction that, that this wasn't, like I said, a, merely a one-time event. Like, God's going to move us forward in that way. And also at that time, some of you guys remember, I, I took a step back from public speaking because God was doing some big healing stuff in, in my own heart and life. Yeah, so God was doing a lot of stuff in my own life. And then, sorry, I, I want to make sure we're just telling the story accurately. So, so sorry, that's why I was taking those notes. So bear with me. Um, after after I, uh, the Spirit took me through some of that, what, the beginning of this year, it just became clear as we look back at the calling upon the Lord stuff and seeking God and, and looking at the what, what God did during the Wounded Healer series, it just became clear to me and A, like something like pretty core in our training and equipping and our foundations has to change. You don't just go through all this 
stuff with God and then go, go, go on as business as usual. Like God's doing something. He's getting our attention with something. So what does he want to apply to this? And as we started talking and working through this stuff, and then we began to bring the other elders and staff into it, we all became clear that, yes, that's what we need to do. And that's where we landed with MC Foundations. So that's where we are today. And recently, I, w- I was having a conversation with Travis Daigle. And for those of you who don't know Travis Daigle, he is a super faithful dude in this church. Love that guy. And he essentially asked me this really important question I think would be really helpful for you guys to hear. And the question about MC Foundations he was asking essentially is, are we going to go back to exactly how it used to be, including all the unhealth and broken stuff? And there's some of you who are probably wondering the same thing. Are are we setting our leaders up again for just more burnout? Because we had a lot of that. Are are we going to fill up our life with trying to fit everyone into a very rigid method of what disciple making is and what an MC is, missional community, where everyone is just going to have to figure out again in great detail how to figure out their life and intersecting it with others. And, and every MC is going to need to multiply within 12 to 18 months and just on and on. Pressure, 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 rigidity. Um, is that what we're all going back to? And, it, and if not, you're not actually an MC. And I just want to say to be very, very clear with all this, no, that is not what we're going back to. And I know that some of you are asking that question because unbeknownst to us, we actually sent you guys out on, and this is for some of you, we sent you guys out on Jesus' mission without adequately equipping you how to abide in Jesus, how to really go to him again and again and receive and get replenished and get rejuvenated and get empowered with his love and his strength in the everyday stuff of life. And some of you guys really went after it and you saw some great stuff, but at the end of it, you're left feeling super defeated and just worn out and just burned out and, and, and done. And I just want to acknowledge the weightiness and the pain, the real weightiness and the real pain that that has caused this family. And, and some of you are still weighed down. Some of you guys are still in pain over that stuff. And, I, and man, I just felt the Spirit led me and Abe as we were praying about this this week, like, God have mercy on us as leaders. God have mercy on us because we led some of you guys in that way. And God reminded me this week of James 3.1, it says, this was super sobering, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And I just want to say, I'm so thankful for God's grace that I literally can stand up here and I I feel no shame because God, the grace of Jesus covered me. I'm dearly loved. I don't have to earn his acceptance or love. I don't have to earn it from anybody. I already have it. But at the same time, When I read this passage, the Spirit convicts me, man, there's responsibility. There's responsibility in this. And and that is why we want to make changes. And that's why there's an urgency to do a training to clean this up in light of what God's Word says and in light of what the Spirit is leading us to do because it's all about Him and all for His glory. And it ought to be for our good and our empowerment for His namesake. So there's great urgency behind cleaning this stuff up. And I just want to say, too, if you're here and you still are hurt, I just want to tell you, please come and talk to us elders. Talk to us leaders. Please don't isolate yourself. There's nothing good ever comes from working this stuff out by yourself. That's what the enemy wants to do. And I just want to say, like, don't give in to his lies. Come and talk to us. We want to work this stuff out. I also recently was having a conversation with another person who essentially asked this this other question that's also really important. I thought it would be important to share with you guys. Are we getting rid of all SOMA stuff? 
Are we just getting rid of all, all the stuff, not just the unhealth, but even the good stuff of our past history? And some of you guys might be asking that question as well. Are we becoming a more programmatic church? Are we throwing out life on life, life in community, life on mission? And I just want to say to you, the answer is no, we're not doing that. Some of you are rightly asking that question because you haven't seen maybe much training or coaching or MC story sharing or leadership development and things like these. And I just want to say, because honestly, the last few years we've been hanging on for dear life. We've been hanging on for dear life. And I say that not as like, oh, shoot, I hope we didn't, I hope we weren't, I hope we wouldn't have been put in that posture of hanging on for dear life because that's not what I'm saying. I thank God that we've been hanging on for dear life because he's humbled the heck out of us. And you know what? We've needed to be humbled. And I thank God for humbling us. I thank him so much. He's close to the humble. And God is beginning, he's beginning to actually bring real unity and alignment between our elders and staff like I've never seen it before. It's been so life-giving to me. I can stand up here on stage for the first time and say, I, like Abe, love my job. I love coming together with these guys. I love working with our elders and staff. I never could say that before, to be honest with you. I can say it now with full conviction and integrity before the Lord. He's doing that stuff. And he's also teaching us some amazing things from his word and correcting some wrong thinking and helping us see what disciple-making is about, all of which would never have happened if we wouldn't have been humbled. Like, he's been humbling us this last three years. So, again, I thank God for that. I thank him so much for that. So, since MC Foundations is neither one of these, what is it? What is MC Foundations? Where is Soma Tacoma headed? And 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says it best. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. A lot of things will change over time and again in our church, but the one thing that will never change is that Jesus is the senior pastor. Everything is about him, for him, and it's all about his glory. It's all about Jesus. That's why in one sense, Jesus has always been the foundation. You're like, man, there's no change there. That, you're right in one sense, because we're called the Soma, the body of Christ. Our, our desire for since day one is this is, is that everybody would get to see and experience Jesus. Every man, woman, and child would have a daily experience of Jesus through word and deed. However, we missed a key foundational piece to this truth that God has been working in our hearts over the last few years, and that is the centrality of our union with Christ. The centrality of our union with Christ. This truth is core, it's essential, it's most central to disciple-making in all of life. Another way of saying it, MC, MC Foundations, it's all about abiding in Jesus, learning and growing to do that together in all of life. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying, we can't miss this. This word abide, like what is that, right? It seems so mystical. I don't you know, understand that. But Jesus is saying here, unless you learn and grow to know what it means to remain in me, Jesus is saying, stay in me, live in me, dwell with me, walk with me. Wait on me. Really listen and hear and be led by me, Jesus, in all of life, which is what abiding means. You won't produce fruit. 
In other words, Jesus is saying, if you don't abide in me, I can't send you on my mission. Because it's either with Jesus or it's not happening. And I hope there's a kind of weight with that, like, wow. Like, that's how this works. You see, because Jesus died for you so that you could actually have God. You could truly have God. He was never meant to just be summed up in just mere propositions or truths or, or ideas. But the living God, he, he gave up his own son to die for our sins so that we could actually truly have God and experience him. And so that God could truly have us through Jesus by the Spirit. That's actually the point of the cross. It's the point of the gospel. It's the point of the mission is that God is uniting all things back to himself, which includes us corporately and individually. We have God and he has us. That's the good news message. So then if union with Christ or abiding in Jesus is central, maybe the question we're asking, so what is MC living then? What is that? And I just want to say it will be life on life. God saved you not only to experience or acknowledge him, and only programs are only on Sunday morning, but in all of life. John 7 says we have rivers of living water gushing out of us. That's the presence of the almighty God that wants to gush out of us through all of life. We're his holy temple. We're his dwelling place. Wherever we go, God is with us. So it has to be all of life that we're doing this. It will also be life in community. The Bible is clear. We, were made, we weren't made to go out this by ourselves. We need to see other people's lives, and they need to see ours for transformation to take place. Ephesians 2 says we're members of God's household. We are joined. We are built. We are to grow together as God's dwelling place. In other words, we're not just individual temples of God. We're, we're to grow as a community temple of God, like together. So that's huge. So it will be life in community. It will also be life on mission. God didn't save us to merely be an inward-focused club that's all about ourselves and forget the world. Jesus, before he commissioned his disciples, he said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And then he, he, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit to receive the Holy Spirit. So the crazy things that Jesus did in his life, healing the sick, caring for the poor, taking care of the needy, proclaiming the gospel of forgiveness, casting out demons, he's in us to do that same work and all throughout life. So it will be life on mission because this, life on life, life in community, life on mission, that's the abiding life. That's the abiding in Jesus' life. You can't read through the Bible without seeing these core principles upheld. In fact, sociologists would argue this stuff is essential to being a human. To be a healthy human, you need to engage life. You need to have people, you need authentic relationships and people to see your life and for you to see theirs. People need to have a governing purpose in their life that drives them to be healthy. And the reason why that's the case is God created us. That's why God created us to live that way. But we were made to do it with him, walking with him, abiding in him. That's why we can't do it apart from Jesus in us, working through us. And that's why all this must be with Jesus, his real, actual, abiding presence and power done in his way and his timing in submission to his word and applied to your unique call, your unique limitations, your unique situation, and the people you're in relationship with. Why? Because God is really here wanting to lead us. And if it gets awkward and you're like, I don't know how to hear God, well, great, we get to ask God and we got to press in. We don't skip over that. You see, in Soma, no longer is the day where we put the flag in our MC and we say it has to be a defined people group. That's not the flag of the Bible. The flag is we abide in God and we let him lead us on his mission with his power and strength. 
Because we are his sent people. We are sent ones. We are going to be in the world making disciples of all life. But it has to be done with his power and presence. Because people want to see him. And people need to see him. And he said, I've given you myself and I'm in you to show myself off. But you need to come and seek me and dwell in me because I'm in you. And we have to learn that. We have to get intentional with that. we got to fight for that, that we don't skip over that. Because that's central. It's everything. It's the meat and potatoes. Are you guys with me on that? Because our goal, I want to be really clear on this, our goal as leaders here is not to have us send you on its mission, but for you guys to experience the God who wants to send you on his mission. He wants to send you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to open your ears to hear him and be led by him. Every one of you, every one of you. And I want to share with you briefly that um, what, what, what it has been looking like in me and my wife's <clears throat> missional community as we've been leading and learning about the centrality of this. So there has been um, significant transitions and hurts and pains in our MC over the years, but especially this past year. It's been really difficult. And on top of that, mine and Lisa's capacity, my wife, has also diminished for various reasons. But the biggest one is having a fourth kid in the mix. I think I shared with you when our fourth was born that joke from Jim McGaffigan about what it's like having four kids. If I have it, I'm going to share it again. He makes this awesome joke. Basically, having a fourth kid is like you're drowning and someone comes over to you and hands you a baby. That's what it's like having four kids. And it's true, man. I mean, I think some of our comedians are prophets, and I'm like, dude, this guy's word is, like, legit. And so it's from the Lord. No, it's playing. I don't know. But I, I'm seeing it true in my life. But we also had, we haven't had a lot of traction in our neighborhood or in other places to, like, say, get our MC to rally around a particular mission. That hasn't happened either, um, which is very different from a missional community I led years ago where we were looking to make disciples at the University of Puget Sound. So very different missional community. And just a quick side note, the temptation for me a lot of times in the past is to feel like a failure in those moments. It's to feel like, man, like, what are we doing? Like, I'm not accomplishing anything. Look, nothing's happening in our missional community. And it's just a feel like, and, and then all of a sudden in the flesh, where if the centrality isn't abiding in Jesus, this is where it gets messy. But it's like this method that I got to like try to uphold. What can happen subtly, like, Leaders aren't wanting this, but what can happen with that is like my flesh grabs that. And so I got to now figure out how to make this mission thing happen. And even if I got to drag my MC, and they're kicking and screaming, and my wife towards this mission, I got to do it. Because only if I do that, I will feel good about myself and I'll feel good about my walk with Jesus. And which is really sad when you think about it, like, oh man, it's sad on many levels. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's obviously a, um, we're missing out on actually enjoying and abiding in him and letting us lead us. And it, that's the stuff that leads to burnout. And it leads to tiredness. And it leads to, honestly, the worst thing. Like, we're all not, like, growing in Jesus, to, like, really abiding in him. And honestly, if you would ask me maybe at some points, hey, man, are you really hearing God now? I probably would have been like, I don't know, if you would have pressed me hard enough. But as God's been helping me grow and apply the importance of union with Jesus, man, I'm, I'm paying attention to him more in the group. Uh, what he's up to, praying and listening and processing with others and 
paying attention to what he's like cluing me in on. There's so many subtle things that happen in the ordinary that we just pass by and disregard. But man, when you see God's in it all, you're like, whoa, that's actually amazing. That's big. Let me pay attention to this. And you start paying attention. What are the real opportunities I have? And get done with the romanticism that we buy into. And, and, and where are people really at? What are the limitations? And God, what are you up to with this people and me? What do you want to do? It's phenomenal when you actually start taking that approach and being more aware. It's very subtle, but it's, it's profound, if that makes sense. And so God's been helping me in that. So for us currently, we, we see the value in the adults in our MC getting together for a meal um, without our kids uh, who are asleep at the time to catch up and hang and laugh a bit together, which side note, by the way, for years, we were having our kids in it, but all our kids are super small. And it honestly felt like we were all drowning together and everybody was handing us a kid. <laughs> and, and that was like, okay, we did MC. All right, we're all exhausted. Don't feel any better for it, but have a good night, man. Let's try again next week. Um, no, but there's good stuff in that too. But a- anyways, as God's been leading us to like pay attention to what he's up to, it's like, hey, let's like connect after they're asleep and let's have dinner together. And we don't just laugh and hang, which is, that's a key part of it. We also like pray together. We check in on each other. And we take out the Bible sometimes and, like, encourage, exhort, correct, like, with God's word, what's going on in our lives. And you know what? We're all at the dinner table, and it's very ordinary and basic, but it's profound and powerful. And that's where God has us right now. And, and I'll also add to this, it's not like that's the only time we connect. We, are, we do see ourselves as a family. We connect even outside that meeting, and some of us different than others at various seasons and various times, but it happens. We're not just about a meeting. And we're also in the people uh, we're also in the lives of people who don't know Jesus, whether it, it's with neighbors or it's with coworkers, but it's, it's a little bit more individual than, than together, and it's okay. In fact, it's not only okay, it's amazing. Why? Because Christ is with us in that, and he's growing us, and he's stretching us, and we're all growing closer to him. That's amazing. That is so amazing that you got faithful people who love Jesus in America, in Tacoma, who are coming together to try to say, hey, God, you're with us, you're in us. How do you want us to experience your presence as we love each other through a meal? That's amazing. That's the kingdom of God advancing in the world. It's not rock star, but it's like it's God-centered. It's Jesus at work. It's amazing. And so all that to say a method is not dictating the Spirit's leading. A method is not dictating or overriding the spirit. So I'm thankful to God for that. Another example I want to give that might be helpful too, Abe's MC. He told me the other day a story with his MC. They're on mission to actually the school, Lincoln High School. And they recently met to list out and pray through who's going to do what in the ways of serving the school and the football team in this coming season. And beginning to see our union with Christ as central, Abe, uh, it, it led him to see that everyone, no matter which activities each one in the group participates in, Every one of those is important because Jesus is going to be there with them. So he's grabbing that list like, well, I really want to pray through these because it's all important because whatever anybody does, Jesus is going to be right there with them. Does that make sense? So like if three or four people are going to be distributing food and drink and serving football players after practice every day throughout the week, that's profound because Jesus, his presence is going to be ministered from those people to those athletes on a regular basis. Do you realize how massive that is? It's massive. Abiding in Jesus, union with Christ is massive. Can you imagine if every day we woke up, every day you woke up in the morning and one of the first things that comes to your mind is I'm not alone. 
God is with me. God is in me. God is here. And you know what? Throughout the whole day, he's going to be in me, wanting to talk to me, wanting to lead me in everything I do. Do you you know how massive that belief is? If we all woke up believing that, to be honest with you, in my mind, you want to hear the vision of MC Foundations? It's that. That God would, oh God, would you so create a culture where we would wake up and throughout the day, that is what would be in our thoughts. That we would be seeking you, that we would be jazzed that you're with us and we're not alone and you would take us to where you want us to go. That would be amazing. Can you imagine what that would do when you go to work, the way you look at your boss, the way you look at your coworkers? Can you imagine how that would help you think about what to do with your money through the week, what to do with your time through the week, how to care and think about your neighbors and friends? It would radically change how you look at your day-to-day, week-to-week life and everything you do because he's always with you in your school, in your neighborhood. And that, that is what God wants to do every day throughout the day with you, with us as a church family. And here's the deal. If you have the spirit of God, you want this. You're hungry for this. And it's what Abe said, because he made you into a new creation and his spirit is in you saying, yes, your spirit's in you testifying. I want that. I want that. That's the good life. That's life with Jesus, the source of life. Because God's strategy is to send the people of God with the presence of God. That's what we're going after. The God's strategy, it's, it's that simple. Send the people of God, because we are sent ones, with the presence of God. That's where we're going. You don't need a Bible degree. You don't need a seminary degree for this calling. And, and, and we, we have to say that kind of stuff because we get tripped up in our Western knowledge, man. We really do. We really feel like it's the professional, or it's the instructor, or it's the monastic, hyper-spiritual, like, super-sensitive guy that's been doing this for decades and decades and decades, and, and they're the ones that do this stuff. But I just want to tell you, the Bible says that's absolutely wrong thinking. This is basic, foundational Christianity 101, is hearing, listening, and obeying, and loving God. That's the most, like, that's where we start. That's where it starts. I mean, you got Christian poor farmers in China. I'm not kidding you guys. I've been reading up on this stuff. Day one, those guys, uh, uh, day one of their conversion, they are really seeing that they're united to Christ. They're just like, okay, I follow Jesus, and they love him like crazy, and they look to hear from him, and they just do whatever he tells them to do. It's that basic. And their education level is like, I don't even know, man, rock bottom. And yet, they're seeing all China reach with the gospel. And it's no different to what we see in the Bible. Acts 4, 13, it says this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated. I love that. It's so encouraging to me. Uneducated, common men, common folk. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. These guys were the ones who began to turn the world upside down with the gospel message and gospel living. And it's not because of their education and experience. That's not what's being astonished. That's not what they're astonished about. It's that Jesus was with them. The power and presence of Almighty God came on poor folk, uneducated people, and it just blew the doors off the religious and the world. Do we still believe that? That's true of us. Do you believe that? 
I don't know what job you have. I don't know what your story is. But do you believe God wants to do that stuff in you and through you for his glory? Do you believe that? Do we believe that, family? I asked myself all week that. Do I believe that? And I remember a couple years ago when I was doing some science and solitude, the Spirit reminded me of this. I had this journal entry. And I asked God this question, why wasn't our country and city being reached in these ways? And I felt God impress on me this. I can do that stuff, Randy, with the snap of my finger, which the Bible shows us that's true. And then, he, and then I felt impressed on this on me. But I just want my people to keep coming to me and to seek and enjoy my presence. And two things happened that moment. On the one hand, I was like, wow, it's that easy. And then the other hand, I was like, wow, like, what's keeping me? Like, what? It's, there was this powerful conviction. And I really needed to hear it because my heart tends to feel entitled to say, all right, God, I'll do the abiding stuff if you immediately do what you're doing in China and what I see in Acts. I want to see it right away. Or else I'm not doing it. I'm saying it at a heart level. I wouldn't say that out loud because obviously when you say it out loud, you're like, oh, that's pretty dumb. Like, right? You don't say that to God. But in your heart, like, that's why our heart's so deceiving. And I was being deceived. And I felt like God just convicted me. But who am I to tell God what the fruit should be? Like, it's timing and how it should look. Because we're not called to worship and obsess over the fruit above the vine, the fruit producer. Do you guys see what I'm getting at? Let like nothing can get in the way of what we're called to, abiding in Jesus. Not even what we think the outcome should be. In fact, if we get so fixated on the outcome, that actually derails us from the point of it all. Abiding in him. So I just want to say, I don't know exactly what the fruit's going to look like moving forward, family. I don't know that. I just know God will produce the fruit, and he calls us to come to him, and he will send us and produce the fruit he wants to produce. So whatever that's going to look like, I don't know, but I know he's just calling us to go to him and let him send us and let him produce the fruit. And that's what we're called to do. And that's how mission of disciple making, it all works. It's Jesus working in us and through us. That's the flow. That's it in the Bible. So my question before you, family, my family, and whom I love, I just want to ask you, do you want to join us in seeking God who wants to send us with his presence? That, that, that's the question with MC Foundations. That's what we're doing. Do, you, do we want to lock arms? Do we want to say, we are going to pursue God, take him at his word through the power of Jesus by the Spirit and say, God, we are coming to you to abide in you because you are the one who sends us and produces the fruit. So do you want to be a part of that? And what I want to ask you, if some of you are here, there might be a barrier in your heart where it's like maybe there's, maybe there's cynicism, maybe there's... Um, indifference. Maybe there's tiredness. Maybe there's like, oh, here goes Soma trying to do another thing. I don't know what might be going on there, but I just know this. Don't push that aside and just try to say, yeah, let's do this. Or don't push it aside and say, yeah, forget you guys. I'm hanging out in the back. I'm going to watch and see what's going to happen because I don't trust this. I want to ask you to press in with Jesus and press in with community because there might be a wound there. There might be a hurt there that you need to process with God and others because God wants to heal you. There may be a hard heart there. Sometimes I don't understand I have a hard heart until I start talking about it with God and others. And that God wants to give forgiveness and soften your heart. I just know this, God gives grace to the humble. So I just want to call you, if that's you, humble yourself before the hand of God and he will lift you up. 
and he will care for you, and he will nurture you, and he will give you the power and strength you need to have you be a disciple on his mission. Because if you're hurt and wounded, you're not too bad where you can't be a part of what he's doing because he's in you to do it. And you're in his way and his timing. So please don't sit back on this. And I just want to say, we need you. We need you. You're, we got hands, we got feet, we got eyes, we got ears. When one body part is out, it hurts the body. We need each other. We need your gift. We need your service. We all need each other for the sake of Christ working through us. We need that. So please don't sit back on this. So what I'm going to have us do as we are uh, moving forward is um, we're going to take the communion in small groups. So if you're here with your missional community, you guys can take it together. If you're brand new here or not connected to an MC, Tim Geisland is going to be up here. I'm not sure where he's at. Oh. He's going to be up here, and he's going to gather. If you're new, he'll wave his hand. He'll take you, and uh, you guys will take communion together. And what I want you to do there is have two things happen. If you have a confession to make in the group, whether it's like, man, I'm hurt, or man, I'm stuck, or man, here's this barrier, you could just say it, and, and, which is a proclamation of humility, saying like, God, I just need God's grace to work in my life, with, and then someone can pray for you. If no one says that or if someone does have some of those confessions, what I also want that little group to do and maybe to be led by one person is just a prayer of recommitment, saying, Jesus, will you fill us once again for this thing that you're calling us to do uh, in someone Tacoma? Because we need your power and presence in us to do it. And so I just want you to pray a prayer of Jesus filling you up as you take and eat the communion bread in your groups. So it's a prayer of kind of recommitment, like, hey, we're moving forward with him. Does that make sense? So I'd like the band to come up here, or the band. He is like a band, man. You got the spirit of God on you, brother. You actually did an awesome job, man. You're, you're like one-man band. Actually, no, you're not. You got the triune God at work in you, brother. So there you go. Not a one-man band. All right. Um, he'll lead us. And then uh, I would love you guys to stand up. And then what you'll do is you'll come down. Uh, you'll get the elements. Break up in your groups. After you do that, please don't take a lot of time because I'd love for you to come back and for Brian to lead us in one song. And uh, I'll pray for us to be sent out. And then at the very end, we'll also have time for, to pray together. The last thing I want to say, I would, it would be a bummer if I missed out on this. Can we get that slide for the last registration day of the trainings, Stephanie? So next Sunday is the final day of registration for MC Foundation's training. Because remember, at 8.45 a.m. in the morning before the actual teaching time, there's going to be training I want everyone that can make that that's a part of this family, please be there. You don't want to miss it. We're going to be learning about abiding in Jesus together. I'll be learning with you. I I promise you that. I'm very humbled through this process. And so please don't miss that training. It begins September 17th at 8.45 a.m. And then there's a Storyform Way training event on September 16th, the Saturday before, and that's going to be at Rustin at 8.30 a.m. Don't miss that either. That's foundational to all the other training. It's basically how the whole Bible connects into one story where Jesus is the hero and we're a part of it. That's, if you haven't been through that training, it's, it's a must. Please, please be there. That's all day, yeah. Yep, it's all day. Thanks for that. Yeah, all day. 8.30 a.m. will probably be done around uh, between 4 and 5 p.m., it, but it's, it's, it's great training. So, you get, grab cards before you leave that really explain in detail those things right outside the door. Please don't miss that if you haven't had it yet. So, Father, would you lead us right now to take communion? Thank you that we have the bread, which symbolizes the body of your son, Jesus, which was given up and broken 
for us on our behalf. His life was perfectly in submission and in love with you where ours aren't. And we dip it in the cup because the cup is a reminder that Jesus doesn't just merely live an example um, in our place, but he dies in our place. The blood of Jesus, your son, has been bled on the cross so that we could have our sins completely washed clean and forgiven. So if we're in Christ here, there's no sin or standing held against us in your name. And so I pray as we take it, we would really believe that and walk in that, that it's because of Jesus, it's because of his death, there's this glorious message that you're in us and that you're with us. It's all because of his death. And so let us celebrate this death with great exuberance and passion deep in our souls because without it, we don't have you. And I pray for anyone here who doesn't, I pray that they would now in the Spirit's power come to you and receive you. God, would you lead all those who trust in you and depend on you to come to the table, take and eat, and be filled with your Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.